Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. The Gospel of Mark chapter 14, we're, we're at the part where Peter is going to deny the Lord. Let me read to you what Mark goes on to tell us that happened. It says, so Jesus then said, have you come out to, with swords, verse 48, to, and clubs to arrest me? as though I were a robber. He says, every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But this has happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And then it says, they all left him and fled. So Peter doesn't mention the part about Lord knocking them all down, and he just says they all fled. And he also points out one thing. Well, Mark writes this in, in verse 51. None of the other gospel writers write this one little juicy tidbit right here. It says, and there was a certain young man that was following him, and he was wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body. And they seized him. And it says, but he left the linen sheet behind and escaped naked. It's speculated that this is actually John Mark, the guy who wrote this gospel as a young man, that he was actually present. But um, I don't know why. It must have been late at night. Maybe something roused him. And, and, and we know he was the nephew of Barnabas in the, in the book of Acts. He might have just been hearing uncles going. There's some big stir going on. And, and he hops out of bed and runs out there. And all he's got is his sheet. And he gets, he gets taken along in the crowd till they try to grab him. And one of the interesting things to me is there's a an Old Testament prophet named Amos. And in the book of Amos, in chapter 2, from verses 13 to about 16, there's this passage about things, what would happen in the day of the Lord. And it ends with, and, though, and the, though the one would be valiant, he will flee naked. And I think, huh, because he's running around probably following Jesus, who's follow, being followed by Peter. And John Mark is going to write down these next verses for us. And I like it because this one gives me some kind of like Peter perspective. Let me show you what he says next. Verse 53, then, then they led Jesus away to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, they gathered together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the, with the officers and warming himself there by the fire. Now here it just says he went by the courtyard, but in John 18, verse 15 says, Now Simon Peter was following Jesus. He was following Jesus, it says, and so was the other disciple, another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered with Jesus into the, into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. But there was a disciple was known by the Servant of the high priest. Who who is that other disciple, by the way? It's John. Now the slave girl, therefore, who kept the door, said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he answered, Of course I am. Right? No. John tells us he said, I am not. The girl who is keep the doorkeeper of the high priest, the servant girl, she asked, now turn back. I, I don't want to give it all away from John. Just keep one finger there. I'll go back and forth a little. There's a few tidbits that weave beautifully together. And Luke's gospel's got some sweet ones that 
Well, I can't help it. They all go together. If you'll turn back to Mark's gospel, we read on it says, in Mark's gospel, it says, now the chief priests, Peter just followed himself into the courtyard, and, and he doesn't mention the John getting him in. He just <laughs> leave that out. These guys didn't really, for some reason, they didn't want to give either one a pat on the back. So, so Peter, being old Peter that he is, he, he says, the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they were finding none. For there were many that gave false testimonies against Jesus, yet their testimony was not consistent. And some stood up and began to give false testimonies against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. And not even in this respect, it says, was their testimony consistent. And so the high priest and arose, he came forward and he questioned Jesus, saying, what do you, do you make any, uh, no answer to these men, what they are testifying against you? But Jesus, it says, kept silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest questioned him, saying to him, are you the Christ? Are you the son of the blessed one? And Jesus answered, he said, I am. I am. Oh, same I am, remember? I am, and he says, and you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Here he is quoting from the Old Testament prophet, just the fulfillment of Psalm 110, the first verse of Psalm 110. And he also combines it with Daniel. What Daniel wrote of the, the coming Messiah, that he would be the one that would come and, with his coming in the clouds. Seven, in Daniel 7, there about verse 12. And Jesus is telling them, yep, I'm him. Not only am I him, but you'll see me sitting at the right hand of power, and you'll see me coming in the clouds. Now, when he said this, did he make it any really mysterious thing about what he was going to do? When we were studying the Gospel of Matthew, he said it was also recorded there for us. He was trying to show them without, remove all shadow of a doubt, that this is the true come Messiah. He would fulfill these things that they knew. Now, this is stuff from the Old Testament, but did, the, did these Jewish leaders, did they know those Old Testament books? Yeah. They knew these verses, and they were waiting for these verses to be fulfilled, and Jesus just spoke it right to them. I'm the guy. Well, as soon as he says this, listen to what, what Mark records here for us. He says, and tearing their, his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard this blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned Jesus as being deserving of death. They began to spit at him and to blindfold him, to beat him with their fists and to say to him, prophesy. And, and the officers, it, it says, uh, received him with slaps in the face. Now, I believe it's Luke's gospel and John tells us they actually blindfolded him and smacked him and then say, prophesy who hit you. Tell us if you're really the son of God, who hit you? Now, could Jesus have named the guys who were hitting him? Because, you know, the movie thing that made him look stupid, that wasn't right. He knew. In fact, he knew all of these things that they were speaking out. And yet, Mark did say he, he kept silent when they made all these accusations. He didn't even open his mouth. You know why? Matthew tells me why. 
Matthew 27, verse 14, Matthew says, in order that the scripture would be fulfilled, he did not open his mouth. Now, as soon as Jesus said he was equal to God, they went, that's it. Let's kill him. They blindfold him. They start smacking him around. And Peter is watching this. I know this because if you read the order of events here in Mark's gospel, look what happens next. As they begin to smack Jesus around, verse 66 tells us, and Peter was below in the courtyard, and one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Now, John tells me which servant girl it was. She was the doorkeeper. Now, maybe Peter didn't know that, but did John know it? Yeah, oh, that's the girl who keeps the... the how would John know who kept the door of the high priest's house? Because of the fish market. Josephus writes that the high priest had a hankering for the, the salt fish that Zebedee sold. And the sons of Zebedee, James and John, were probably tasked growing up with the job of, hey, boys, bring some of this fish to the high priest next door. So who do they have to go through to get to the high priest? The doorkeeper. John tells me who, that it, it's the girl who's the doorkeeper. Now, John Mark doesn't tell me this detail. He just says the servant girl came over there by the courtyard, and, and she she looks at Peter, and seeing him, she says, You're, you, you too were with Jesus the Nazarene. But it says, but he denied it, saying, I, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out onto the porch, or the, well, we would say lanai, the outer portion. Like he, he's like, I got to get out of here. Now it says, then a maid saw Peter and began once more to say to him, to the bystanders, this man is one of them. And again, he was denying it. And after a little while, the bystanders were saying to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. Now Matthew says that they said, and your speech gives you away. You know the way you talk. And what did Peter do? Because he, he'd been three years with Jesus. Something changes in your speech pattern if you hang out with Jesus for a while. So Peter, knowing that he was getting busted, he began, it says, to do to swear, to curse. He says, I don't know this fellow. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, can a fisherman, remember, Peter was a fisherman. Do fishermen know how to swear? This is one of those occupations where swearing is kind of like synonymous with the job. It just goes along, you know, net breaks, fish gets away, something goes wrong, you get a hook stuck in you, you know, swear, swear, swear. Peter, though he had been with Jesus for three years, following him, and maybe some of that swearing had fallen away out of his speech. In fact, I think it had changed Peter so much that they were able to say, you must be one of him because your speech gives you away. You know, the way you talk, you don't even swear. And so he whips out the old swear repertoire, starts cursing, like somehow this is his disguise. It says, and immediately then the cock crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him, before a cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And it says, and he began to weep. Now Luke throws in one little extra tidbit. If you just turn with me to Luke 22, when Luke is given the account of this, he says that Peter said in verse 60, as he began to curse, man, I do not know what you're talking about. I think they dumbed that down a little. But man, he says, I mean, that was a curse word back then. Man. 
He said, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. Verse 61 says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. And the men who were holding Jesus in custody and mocking him and beating him, they blindfolded him and they were asking him, saying, prophesy, who is the one who hit you? And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. When you read this story and you hear the part that Jesus looked at Peter and Peter went out and wept, you're probably thinking Jesus gave him stink eye. See, I told, didn't I tell you? You know, was it one of those, told you so, didn't I tell you? You think, do you, by the way, do you think that's the look Jesus gave Peter? Just, does that sound like the character of Jesus that we've been studying about? Does that seem like that would be Jesus like, see, Peter, told you. Do you hear the cock crowing? Cock-a-doodle-doo, Peter. You know, would Jesus rub his nose in it? No. In fact, if you remember, one of the gospel writers wrote that, Peter, you're going to deny me. But when you have once again turned, this is where it pays off to read all of the gospels. This is where it pays off to know the whole book. Because, see, one of the other gospel writers writes that when you have once returned, I have a task for you. Can anyone remember? It's three words. Strengthen your brethren. When you have once returned, strengthen your brother. So my question to you is, did Jesus know he would deny him? Did Jesus know he would return after? Did Jesus say, you are now disqualified and I will never use you again because you blew it? No. Gee, this is a story in all four Gospels, but you've got to pay attention. Even though Jesus looks at him and sees his failure, I bet you Jesus looked at him with a look, maybe like how my grandparents look to one another. You know something? The dish fall down and break and shattered. And my grandfather, he wouldn't look like, oh, in disgust. I can't believe you broke the dish, woman. Because I've seen my grandfather, when, when something happened with my grandmother, he would just walk over and be like, it's okay. No words. But like, it's okay, honey. It's just a plate. And it would not be the end of the world. It's just the end of a plate. It's a thing. You know, when you get the idea that people are more important than things, doesn't it change how your relationships go? When you start putting those people as, and, and I know Jesus looked at Peter like, you're more important than even your failures. I'm not done with you. I'm not going to, I'm not dropping you just because you had a little bobble. Now, this is what I call grace lived out. Because what are they doing to Jesus right now? Spitting on him, smacking him, doing this. Now, I know it's because I cheated and had to weave in this little portion here in Luke. It says, before they blindfolded him. So before he blind, Mark says that they were blindfolded and smacking, hitting him and everything. So Mark's getting the details from Peter. I believe Peter got to witness the, the blindfolding, the smacking. But before the blindfold went on, that cock crowed. How did he look at him after he just blew it? For how many times? Three times in one night. It's not like he just blew it once. He blew it three times. 
And, you know, some of you, you might have people that have offended you more than three times. Or maybe they've offended you once and you're like, that's it. I'm what is that saying? There's this weird saying. If somebody does something once to you, shame on them. And if they do it twice to you and you let them happen, shame on you or something. That's weird things, you know. I got news for you. People can blow it more than two or three, 10, 20, 30. In fact, Peter was the guy who said to Jesus, Lord, if somebody sins against us, you know, how many times should we forgive them? And what was Peter's generous answer? Up to seven times, Lord? Whoa! What was Jesus' answer? Up to seven times 70. If you're not good with math, that's 490 times. There's a lot more grace with Jesus than there is with people. And if people blow it, and they... and Guys, we need to understand, we're just all... How many of you guys know we're all just works in progress? I try to point this out on a regular basis because it says there in, 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 in what Paul wrote to the Galatians and the Philippian church, Ephesians, he, he makes mention that, guys, do you not know God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it? God's at work in all of us. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm more patient with God working in my life than I am in God working in someone else's life. Oh, God, be patient with me. But get them, because they're really screwing up. <laughs> and man, you know, they just keep screwing up. You know, you should do something about that, Lord. And you know what God is doing? He goes, I am doing something about it. I am being patient while they grow. You're just not patient. Well, you're ready for the other person to grow right now, but maybe you haven't grown yet. We need to be patient. And we need to see Jesus for who he is. I mean, this Jesus, what a, what an awesome example. Here he is. He's getting beaten, and he's not dishing out condemnation to his disciple. He already knew his disciple was going to deny him. He told him. And I tell you, I think that look was one of, I still love you. I think it was one of those looks like how my grandfather used to look at my grandmother, like when the thing broke, the plate broke. There's a look you can give. It's a look that says, I love you way more than this thing. This thing is nothing. It doesn't have to be words. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? You just look at him like, don't worry about that. Does he even have to? And see, that's where the many, many years together, they didn't even have to say the words, just this. My grandfather going like this. You know what this is? Like he go like this. Just shake his head. Move his hand like, don't worry. Step back. I got it. And he would pick it up. Just throw it away. And I'd be like, so let's not look at the person who fails with some kind of judgment or disdain or like we're better than them. Let's just look at him with the, the way Jesus. I mean, Jesus was full of mercy. Full of grace. Doesn't that, that's what it says in John chapter 1. Full of mercy, full of grace. He became flesh and dwelt among us so we could understand these things. I bet he looked at Peter like, it's okay, I knew it was going to happen. And he had told him, when you return, I still got to, I don't think he looked at him with judgment like, get lost, you blew it. I think he looked at him like, I still love you. It's okay. Because I bet you they were full of love. 
full of grace. And even though Peter, and I do believe Peter, well, let's just know that the Lord knows us. Even better, just like he knew Peter would deny him three times, does he know our, our weaknesses? Yes. Does that mean he says, I'm done with you? I'm not going to use you anymore? No. I just want to encourage you with that today. As you leave here, know, even if you've blown it, even if you have, and, and you might have determined, I'm not going to this time. I'm going to do it right. And then the testing happens. And your weakness comes out. I got news for you. Just because you haven't arrived doesn't mean God's done with you. And just because you ain't perfect, I'm not here to condemn you. I know Jesus doesn't. We're just going to continue being works in progress together. Let's keep following the Lord and let's keep doing what he's called us to do. For as long as he gives us breath in this body, when we fall, when we when we fail, Lord, just remind us of Peter. That you continue to use him even after this great failure. Even after a failure they would mock him for for the rest of his life. You still used him. Lord, bury that into our hearts. That we would know you still want to use us. Even when we fail. Help us to gain strength from this knowledge. And continue on serving you. You came to me.
Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.